Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Good to see you today in God's house. I could almost do this. I went on there to look at the podcast. So, I, as I, was I don't even have to preach today. Thinking about that, this is where today's message... Appreciate Mike and all the sound folks for getting this together. That way you can listen to a sermon uh, during the week. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to take you to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. Let's pray first before we go. Father, thank you for the opportunity again today. Come to your house. to Come and just worship God. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that we feel. Holy Spirit, once again, you're just our honored guest. We're so thankful that you've come to lift Jesus up, to help us, to grow us, to develop us, to help us to preach, to teach. And more than anything, that we'll leave here a little bit more like him. So, Father, for all that you're going to do in the next few moments of time, we give you praise and ask it and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Good to see you in God's house today. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan... He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus said, and said It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him, led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Thirdly, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. And it's written, He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said, It's said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all the tempting, he left him until an opportune, more opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. I want to talk to you today for just a moment of time about passing the test. Passing the test. My dad is 87 years old, and he said this about life. He said, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that life is just one test after another test after another test. It's interesting he didn't say that, you know, his, his analogy was not that life was like a game or life was like a song. Or life was like a dream. He didn't even see life as he didn't even say life is like a box of chocolates. He said life is a test. It's just one test after the other after the other. And if I can take you all back to when you went back to we were in grade school or elementary school, and there was a test that you had to take all the time, and it was built in by the teacher. The teacher built in a test into the into the curriculum, a pop quiz. An exam to let you know, to let them know, and to let your mom and daddy know how you were doing in that particular subject. God does the same thing. He builds exams and tests and pop quizzes into our life to let us know, those around us, and let him know how we are really doing. Now, today's topic is real simple. It's called how to pass the test. Anybody interested in passing the test of life? Now, it's just four simple points today. First of all, to pass the test. There's a couple of things you're going to want to know. The first thing is you're going to want to know the Holy Spirit to pass the test of life. There are three accounts. It's based on the story that we read today. There's three accounts of the story we read today. Book of Matthew, Book of Mark, and Book of Luke all tell the exact same story. Mark tells it real kind of, kind of real very briefly. 
And then Matthew tells it from a businessman's perspective. Now, all of you businessmen, Matthew was a tax collector. You know that businessmen, all they care about, really they don't care about all the fringe details. They just want to know what's going to make them a profit. And so Matthew's just interested in telling the story and giving you all the facts so that you can get the value out of the story. That's what businessmen want. But Luke, from where we read it for today, he's a physician. And it's interesting to me that he emphasizes over and over in his his, his dissertation of this story, he emphasizes the person of the Holy Spirit. He says this in chapter 1. He said, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And even at the end of the story, he said, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So over and over, the doctor refers to the Holy Spirit. I think I may be able to help you understand that why. My, my own granddad was a doctor during the Depression. In the 50s, 60s, he retired in 1970. He was a surgeon, and he was very methodical. He was one of those guys that he really wasn't interested. He was pretty much just point A and point B and, and whatever, you know, whatever the diagnosis was. He was just really kind of a nuts and bolts kind of guy. But the Holy Spirit really intrigued him, Ryan. In his 90s, he began to talk about the Holy Spirit more. He was telling me one time, he said, look, I don't know if, and I'd given him a book about the Holy Spirit. I'd just come into Pentecost, and so I'd given him a book about it. He was a Presbyterian, lifelong Presbyterian, loved the Lord. And he said this, he said, I was sitting in my bed one day just talking to the Lord. He said, and all of a sudden this feeling came over me. He said it was like a warmth. He said it was like it was just a peace that come all over me. He said, and the doctor in me began to try to diagnose it. He said, and I thought, is this a fever? And then he said, well, maybe I'm having a hot flash. He said, I'd been a doctor long enough to know this wasn't a fever, this wasn't a hot flash, because there was a peace that went along with this warmth and this feeling that somehow God was speaking to me. He said, and then just as quickly as it came, it just very gradually and graciously left. He said, do you think that's the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, granddad, I think that's the Holy Spirit. See, because to a doctor... They're, more, they're, they're really amazed and interested in, in experience. They're amazed. They're interested in emotion. They're inter- interested in feeling. Because when you go to the doctor, what's the first question he asks you? How do you feel? And that was it. <laughs> I got one person's attention. Hallelujah. To the doctor. This is of great importance. So Luke is also ex- in, in, captivated by experience and feeling. And how are you doing? So he talks about the Holy Spirit and the experience of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And it brings us to our point, if you really want to walk the past the the walk test of life, understanding and knowing the person of the Holy Spirit is going to be critical. Past the exam, you need to know him. You need to experience him. You need to love him and adore him. You need to walk with him every single day of, of your life, every moment of your life. Walk with the Holy Spirit. He's more than a force. He's not just something out there somewhere in the world. He's something on the inside of us because he set up shop on the inside of you because the Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if this is not a Baptist thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a whosoever thing. Anybody who walks the walk of the Christian faith and is going to go through this life needs to know the person of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, why is that? Because the Bible calls him the teacher. Every test, there's a teacher in the play. John 14, 26, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Every student needs a teacher. And what type of people teach? Teachers teach because the teachers have the answer key. Do you know what the answer key is? 
When I took a test when I was in grade school, you take it up to the teacher. This was before uh, Chromebooks. You take it up to the teacher, and she had this little master list. And it was, the, it was the answers to the questions on the test. And she would put your test right up to the master key, and then she'd begin to grade it. Who better, if you're a student walking in this life, who better, if you're trying to overcome and, and get, get through the exams of life, who better to be friends with than the teacher? He has answers to all the questions in life. Right now, every single answer you will ever need, he has because he's the teacher. So understanding to pass the test, you're going to need to know the Holy Spirit. And matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was the one that walked him in the spirit, into the wilderness. He was the one that got him through the wilderness. And he was the one that empowered when he walked out of the wilderness. Anybody glad for the person of the Holy Spirit today? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. And I've learned about the Holy Spirit as if you acknowledge him is when he comes. If you invite him in is when he comes. You say, i got a struggle in my marriage. I need the Holy Spirit in there. Go ahead and invite him in. Say, I need him in my church. My pastor needs him right now. Go ahead and invite him in right now to your church. You say, I need him into my, my job. I need him into my heart. I need him into my, my sick body. Go ahead and invite him in because I found out he's a gentleman, and when he's invited, he always, always shows up. Pass the test. Secondly, you're going to need to know something else. You're going to want to know the devil. Not only are you going to want to know the Holy Spirit, but there's an adversary that's been sent to come against you, been sent to come against to be the adversary of your soul, and his name is Satan. He calls that goes by the devil as well. Had a friend one time. I was talking about God. We got to talking about the about, about the somehow we got talking about the enemy. He said, "Look, I don't talk about the devil because I don't want to give him that much attention." And I kind of didn't 100% agree with that because I, my thinking was, if you're going to beat somebody, you got to know who you who who it is that you're going to beat. I'm in this thing to beat the devil. I'm in this thing not just to let, him, to let him have his way, not just to let him influence me. I'm in here to beat that rascal. And the Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he's going to do it through me or you, but you've got to know him. It's interesting to me that today that the church pays very little attention, seems to me, to the fight between the Christian and Satan. Somehow we get afraid when you begin to bring that up. And you know, we get scared because, you know, of the boogeyman, the devil. And I wonder if it's, it's our Western culture. It's so sophisticated, it's so educated to be, to be duped into fighting, to we're fighting an invisible enemy, they may think they have passed that off to the, maybe the third world countries or to the prisons that you, that's where the devil is. My friend, the devil's right here in church today. All across this land, he doesn't just go to the prisons. He's not just in, in, in the bars and the back alleys. He's in the churches as well. Today we think we're so sophisticated that we don't have to fight this enemy. We think, oh, we got Amazon. We don't have to fight the devil. We got Walmart. What do you need to fight the devil for? But I want you to know something, after 5,000 years of recorded history, Jesus came and he fought the enemy over and over and over again when he was here on this earth. And if that's the case today, he's still alive and well, and he's looking, God's looking for somebody to take up their authority and their belief in Jesus Christ and take it to the enemy. That's me and that's you. Jesus cast out devils. He rebuked the spirit of infirmity. He healed those who were oppressed of the devil. And can I tell you, if he did it back then, he wants us to do it again today. Don't you ever think that you have to be afraid of old switchfoot the devil. Because the thing is, is the enemy, sometimes God allows the enemy to come to test us in our life. Many people would say that. They say, look, the circumstances we face, Brother Kerry, the test that we face, the circumstances that we're up against, how we react to life. Other people would say that the battles that we face are, are against, against people. That's what the battles we're facing. They're circumstances. They're people. Others would say, oh, the circumstances we face against the government. 
It's sickness and disease. That's what we're up against. My friend, have you ever just thought for a moment, maybe what you're up against is the person who's called the devil, the enemy of our soul. Before Jesus ever performed his first miracle, he had to pass the test of direct confrontation with the enemy. We think today, maybe, can I just give you maybe a thought today? Maybe the problem is not necessarily the sickness. Maybe the problem is not necessarily solved by going to the counselor. Nothing wrong with either uh, doctors, nothing wrong with counselors. Maybe the problem is not necessarily being solved by going to the marriage counselor. Nothing wrong with any of those. Maybe the problem is solved when we go into direct confrontation with Satan and take up our authority as children of Almighty God. Maybe when we use the name of Jesus and come against that problem and we understand the adversary is the one that's against us, maybe we'll find victory just a little bit more. There was a group of people who went to heaven, kind of several of them. And they got to heaven, and Peter was at the gate. He said, look, he had to run. He got called off to do something. He called the devil, Satan. He said, look, uh, I need you to keep these people for a minute while I go take care of some business. And so after just a little bit long, just a little, a little while, the devil called Peter and said, look, you got to come get these people. He said, look, they're causing all kinds of trouble down here. He says, the Catholics, they're, they're a blessing everybody. He said, the Baptists, they're saving everybody. He said, the Pentecostals, they're laying hands on all the burn victims. He said, and the charismatics are raised enough money for air conditioning. But let me say this with all sincerity. There is a battle that waged war that we are waging today, and it's not against flesh and blood. There are principalities. There are powers. There are spiritual wickedness in high places. There are thing forces that are coming against you, against your family, against your kids, against your church, against your nation, and it is nothing else than the kingdom of darkness. And it's important for you and I to know who it is that we are fighting against. Thirdly today, pass the test. You're going to want to know how Satan tests us. You're going to know how he operates and how he works. Now, if we look at our story today, it's ironic that that's who the, who the, who the battle was between, between Jesus and, and the enemy. And his name means the tempter. The name Satan, the name of the devil, means the tempter. In other words, that's his job, to tempt the believers of God, to get them to follow after him and, and not follow after God. He is a fallen angel. He is not God's equal on the bad side. God's the good side, Satan's the bad side. He is not God's equal. He is a, a fallen angel, and he's sharp. He was able to get a third of, of the angels to go with him when he fell from heaven. So he has an army of minions that do his bidding. Let me just tell you this. The devil's not after you. The specific devil's not after you. You and I are not that important. He's a created being. But he has forces. He has minions that do his work all across this world. He attacks the people of God. His purpose, why God allows him to sometimes test us, is because his purpose is sometimes to help us to see that we can pass the test. In Israel, let me say it like this, in Israel, when they went into the promised land, the Amorites, they didn't get kicked out of Israel. When the children of Israel went in. The Hivites, the Hittites, they stayed in there. God left them in there. And he told Israel, he said, the reason I left them in there, he said, because I want to use them to test you in the days ahead that you'll be faithful and that you'll love me and me alone. So Satan sometimes is allowed by God to test us and to tempt us so that we can see how loyal we are to the God of Israel and the God of heaven and earth. Satan's plan is the same thing he's always done to present something to the believer that would distract them away from God's best. He wants to see how you will respond. When the enemy attacks and he comes against you in, um, in health issues, God's looking to see how you respond. When he comes in, he comes into your marriage, he's looking to how you, how you respond. I've said this many times before, and I've, every time I've said this, people always laugh. How many times have you left church or on your way to church and you and your wife get, or husband get in a colossal fight on the way to church? 
You don't get in an argument on the way to school, on the way to work, on the way to Walmart, but some, for some reason you get in a colossal fight on the way or when you're leaving church. You don't think there's an enemy that knows that? He knows you just had a blessing in church. He knows that you worship God and you felt the freedom and the chains fall off, and as soon as you walk out the door, he's not going to try to go and attack that. Sometimes we just really need to kick the devil out of our house. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's unseen world, and the enemy comes against us to do that very thing. He's trying to get you to compromise. He's trying to get you to, that cute little thing that cares nothing about God, but just happened to pass your way and tell you how smile at you and tell you how cute you were. That wasn't from God. Sometimes we got to decide if we're going to accept Satan's packages. Listen to me, somebody. When something in your life causes you to go away from God, causes you to sidestep God, to not consider God, I want you to tell you, can I tell you where that's coming from? It's not from God. You ever gotten a thought, you couldn't seem to get rid of it? I don't know about you, I'll be honest with you for a minute, sometimes I get crazy thoughts in my head, kind of a OCD, kind of like you can't stop thinking about something, something gets on your nerves, something I did to you, you just can't keep seem to get rid of it. Sometimes you get crazy thoughts. You ever wonder what the source of that is? Are you just crazy? No, you're not. You're a child of the king. Blood bought, born again. Is there any chance there's an enemy that's been sent to oppress, to instigate, to antagonize you? And the way they use it, they use it in the form of thoughts. See, because anything that has a voice speaks, right? So if the enemy speaks to you, it must be somebody or something has come against you. Tells you things like, you know what, you're just always going to be overweight. You're always going to be nuts. You're always going to be crazy. If you were just a little bit smarter, man, if you were better looking, your life would be so much better. You know, if people didn't always treat you the way they do, it seems like things always happen to you. Where does that come from? What's the source of that? Is it possible there's an enemy whispering in your ear and telling you these ungodly, uncharacteristic things? And my answer is absolutely yes. If he spoke to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, he's going to speak to me and you as children of Jesus as well. If he spoke to Jesus, if he made direct contact with Jesus and went toe-to-toe with Jesus and spoke to him, he's going to do the same exact thing for us. But the beauty is that if Jesus overcame him by speaking the word, then you and I can overcome him by speaking the word of God as well. That's something to get excited about. I like battles I can win. I like warfares where I know the outcome. And my friend is a child of Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil, and he's going to do it by empowering and giving you the courage and the strength to do it. was sitting in a car one day at a stoplight. A couple, three days I had just, in my mind, I just, all, just, had, just couldn't seem to think straight. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of mind's kind of cloudy, real negative thinking. Everything gets on your nerves. Everybody gets on your nerves. You just don't really know why everything's going. And you think about it, everything seems to be going great in your life, but you just can't seem to get, get those, your thoughts straight. And finally, I was sitting in a car at a stoplight, and I thought, I have had enough of this. I am sick of this. And I said out loud in the car, nobody was listening in the car, I said, devil, you cannot have my mind anymore. I am sick and tired of your lives. You have to leave in the name of Jesus. I figured if Jesus made him leave, I could make him leave as well. Something happened in that moment, and I pray that at some point in your life that you'll experienced the same thing. It was like if somebody, there was a light was turned off and all of a sudden it switched back on. It was as if the clouds all of a sudden, boom, just got, there was a clarity all of a sudden. It was as if you went from darkness to night and I was sitting there and almost to the point and I almost lost, forgot what I was doing because the cars behind me, the light had turned, the cars behind me were honking. And I was just sitting there going, oh my goodness, I just kicked the devil out of my mind. It was the most wonderful thing in the world. 
And the Bible says Jesus did this when he was here on this earth. He healed the sick and he cast out the devil. One of the greatest problems that has happened in the modern church is that when people talk about kicking the devil out, they think of possession. And they think Christians cannot be possessed. And you're exactly right. They cannot be possessed. Because that dictates ownership. That marks ownership. That we're not owned by the devil. We're owned by Almighty God. But I think the better word is oppressed, come against, infuse, attack. Can I tell you there's times he does that? He cannot possess, but he can oppress. And the same way you get Jesus got rid of him is the same way you and I get rid of him and tell him in the name of Jesus Christ, you have to leave. And every time he has to go. What happens if your kids come home and fail the test? You say this, what's your first question? Did you study for the test? What you're really trying to find out is did you have the knowledge necessary? Did you do the lessons that were necessary to gain the knowledge so that you could pass the test? If we understand that knowledge is power, we're really saying to them, do you have the power to overcome, to pass the test, to pass the exam? And my question to you is do you have the power to pass the test of your life? Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of soundness of mind. Jesus said, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Mark 16 says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. One of the litmus signs of a believer is that we have the ability and the authority to cast out devils. And it's just not to the people in the third world countries. Can I tell you, sometimes you've got to cast them out of your marriage. You've got to cast him out of your home. You've got to cast him out of your church. You've got to cast him out of the things that are important to you. The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give them life, but I've got to have somebody who will take up the authority of Jesus and go and do it. He gave us authority, Jesus said. He gave us power when we pray. He gave us power when we speak. He gave us power when we fall. He gave us power over devils. And he gave us power to face the test of life and come out on top. My prayer today in this moment right here is that you'll just begin to go, wait a minute. Maybe what I've been fighting is not Miss Leanne. You're Miss Leanne. Not my Miss Leanne. You're Miss Leanne. Maybe the problem I'm fighting is really not the boss. Maybe I'm really not OCD or ADD or ADHD, and I understand those are very real things, but maybe there's somebody that's not f facing and fighting is something in the natural. You're fighting something in the spiritual. And my other prayer is that you'll walk out of here going, wait a minute, I have the power in Jesus' name to tell that entity to leave, and he has to go in Jesus' name. This power that we talk about, it has to be accessed and here's, the, here's probably the, the problem with many in the church world today is they know everything I just said, but their question is how do I access the power of God, pass the tests? In that moment when I need him the most, how do I, how, how do I, how do I make it practical? How does it manifest? How do, how do I really get the power of God? How do I access it? Ephesians chapter 1. Paul said, I pray that, the, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. First of all, you have to understand and believe that this power is yours. Say, I don't feel very powerful. My friend, in the mind of God, all the power in heaven and earth that you need, he's given to you. In Jesus' name. You have power right now. You can overcome the things that you're facing. The things that are bigger than you, you have the power to overcome it. The forces that are against you, you have the power to overcome it. 
The things that seemed so big, the obstacles, as Pastor Steve was talking about Moses, the things that came against him, there was a power that was greater than anything he would ever face, and you have a power just as well. But you got to believe it and walk by faith. Pray for big things. Let me just give you some examples here about power. I learned this when it came to God. I just thought you prayed for all the big things, and God, you know, and then you just, I just took care of the little things. But then I began to step into the power of God and realize that he'll take care of the little things as well if you'll just ask him. Then I learned that when you get sick, if you're sick, you can, you can go and people can lay hands on you and pray. There's power there available to make you well. And I learned that as well. And that was another, thing, another, another power that I learned about. And I learned about the, pro- the power of giving. Had financial problems. And I realized I could give myself out of my problems, my financial problems. The world says you got to hoard it up. The world says you got to hold on to it. But I learned if you give, God said he'll give back to you. There's power in those things, power in the laying on of hands, power in praying for everything, power in giving unto God. The board of our church has got a hold of this. Anytime we struggle financially, our first thought is, let's go ask God, where do we need to give so that the Lord can help us? So I have to believe it. I have to exercise it. Another thing I want to tell you, tell you about power is that power is progressive. Verse 14 said, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. See, Jesus got more power as he passed the test. Something happens as you grow in this faith of this Christian faith. Something happens as you walk the walk that you walk right that every single day. Something happens as you grow in your, your, your walk with Jesus, as you walk down the roads of life, as you raise kids, and as you walk through the uh, being married and all the things, having children. Something happens. God begins to give more power to you because power is progressive. Power also comes as we speak it. If we look at our story there, that Satan talked to Jesus, and Jesus talked back to Satan. Sometimes you got to open your mouth, and you got to exercise the authority that God's given you right here. There's power in this right here. There's power in this. Say the name Jesus. Jesus. There's power in that name. Say the name Carrie. Not much power in that. But the same mouth that said Jesus is the same mouth that said Carrie. You have authority. God's giving you. He said, all authority has been given to me, and I give it to you. And how does he take up that authority? When you open your mouth and you speak it out. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of soundness of mind. Thank God that I'm always a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God's, if God's for me, who can be against me? Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. What am I doing right now? I'm exercising the authority that God has given me by opening my mouth and speaking it out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the midnight hour, when you feel the world coming against you, open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, God before me, who can be against me? In the times when it feels like you don't know how things are going to happen, open your mouth and say, I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. When the enemy come and attack against you and tell you you're not going to make it and tell you things are going to get worse and tell you that you're crazy, go ahead and stand upon and take up the authority that God's given you and say, I know that God be for me who can be against me. Somebody realize that the authority that you have right now, when you're sick in your body, say, by his stripes, I am healed. When that that child is wayward and away from God. Say this, I know this. They walk away from God. They got to come back to God. Open your mouth and you say, I don't know the scriptures like you do. You know the truth of the word of God. Go ahead and open your mouth and speak it out in the name of Jesus. I don't think we're going to make it this month. I don't think, but you know this, I know that we are going to make it because God is, is on my side. 
you think that my body is getting worse, I'm just getting sicker and sicker, say, no, God is my health. He's my strong tower. He's everything that I have need of. Tell me what you have need of, and I'll just tell you, open your mouth and tell the world and tell the devil and tell God, this is what God says about me, and I'm going to believe it till I breathe my last breath. you got to pass the test. Listen, we got to pass the test. I hadn't done a very good job of explaining this to you. There's tests that we have to pass. We have to go through. There's pop quizzes that come up in our lives, and we have to be able to ready to, 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 to tackle them. The enemy's going to come against us and do everything he can to distract you. But I'm here to tell you that you can have victory in the name of Jesus. You can have victory in the name of Jesus. Would you bow your heads, Father, today in Jesus' name? I know that I know that I know that there are those among us, and we are facing the test of a lifetime. Some of us are facing semester or life exams. Some of us are just coming up pop quizzes. But I know this, God, that you've given us the courage and the strength, and the same Jesus who passed his test is the same Jesus who's going to walk us down the roads that we're facing right now. And I pray right now, God, I pray in Jesus' name that there'll be those that will all of a sudden the light switch will come on, and they'll realize the battle that they're fighting, and the one that's greater on the inside of them than the one that's in the world. And they'll get it on their inside, God, that there's a power available to us as believers in Jesus to stand against any mountain, against any wall of water, against any lion's den, that we can truly, genuinely walk and pass the test of life. Pray that right now in Jesus' name. God, there's those right there among us. I pray today that they'll come. And I pray that they'll bring this need to you. They'll bring this, this to you and they'll say, God, help me. Give me the courage. Give me the spirit of, of grace and strength to, to pass this test. And I know you're going to do it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.